Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and with me today is Jeff Sire. Hello, everybody. And Mike McPeak. Hi. This week we're going to be covering the 2013 movie Space Warriors, which is not nearly as you know epic as it sounds. Um, a group no. of kids, space cadets, <laughs> must help with the rescue of three astronauts whose ship got stranded in space. Okay, we're done. Literally. <laughs> we're done. We're done. Yeah. yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, just flat out, Space Camp remake, done very bad. Um, yeah, whatever. Can we well, I got to thinking... I got to thinking about it, and I was sharpening my knives. Okay, the movie that we had last week, uh, Robot Overlords, was a – I guess we kind of settled on a young adult movie. This one is more of a, a teen movie, let's say. No. And like I said, I was ready to rip it to shreds, but I got thinking, well, okay, maybe we need to think of it as like sci-fi on training wheels. Some movie for – you know, maybe it could have been done a little bit better, but I still think you know, a movie to get teenagers – something to get okay. them into sci-fi – to get them kind of interested, not the best. But As like a I say, NASA propaganda film, which let's <laughs> be real, it is, um, yes. which I'm all in favor of, by the way, it still sucks because your target audience is not going to be impressed by this thing. Um, and it's also well, not even – I don't I, think it even broadens I, I, I don't know. It. It's risky. Like none of us are like, you know, you know, 8 to 14-year-old kids, so – I don't think that they would be too into this either, but I don't know. It's no okay. Think of about the main. I don't character. know anybody in the target audience anymore. Yeah, think about the main character. If he was going to sit down for the evening and watch a movie, is he going to watch Space Warriors? Or is he going to watch Gravity? Right. I mean, and I kind of I put out a tweet. This is kind of like a love child between Disney and Gravity, uh, um, and you know maybe a. It's um, slight mutations along yeah, the way. Yeah, thank you. There. I'm glad you put yeah. that mutant thing in there <laughs> okay. because, wow. That's something else. Like, w- when I went to Wikipedia, there's like you know, it's like a one-line entry for this. When I went to IMDb, there's no real description. This movie, there has to be a story behind how this got made because the special effects are pretty good. Yes, they are. NASA is obviously involved uh because there's, you know, it takes place at the space camp in Huntsville, Alabama. Right. There's tons of stuff. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that has more product placement in it than this movie. Right. Like every single thing, like there's the Tide dishwashing soap when she's doing the laundry, or the Tide uh, laundry soap when she's doing the laundry. There's a big Walmart thing that's featured prominently. There's, you know, there's ads everywhere. Um, then they have the section where they get the kid, the Chinese kid, which has obviously got Chinese money and is there for a you know Chinese market. Like, who put this movie together? Yeah, like it, 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 it it's like this is a movie that that seemed to me to be made by a committee of business people that were you know just uh, it was a project dependent totally on financing from all of these different places, and and on top of that. You've got Mira Sorvino, Dermot Mulroney, um, Danny Glover. Glover. you got some big-name people in this that essentially did, you know, little bit parts. Who and, and, okay, you get movies who have actors that are like, you know, B and D list sort of things who are past their prime. You know, like, Danny Glover's still making, you know, 
good movies. Dermot Mulroney's still making good movies. Mira Sorvino doesn't uh, hasn't been in as much stuff, but when I looked at her IMDb page, she's in a ton of stuff. Like this is, there has to be a story behind how this movie came together. Yeah, I I would, and I'm with you. I would love to hear it too because I too felt like. Um, this was there was some purpose to it uh, again i it totally felt to me like nasa propaganda like nasa said we need to make a new new version of space camp to get people interested in space matter of fact i went to spacecamp.com which again was you know product placement <laughs> that's the big product um and what they're talking about there i mean the 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 very lead video at the top of spacecamp.com i had to double check and make sure it wasn't footage from this movie um but it, it's they're talking about the Mars generation. So, you know, we're, we are now recruiting for um, astronauts to take on the Mars missions. And so that was what yeah. this, this movie was kind of aimed at. Did it do it? No, because it was so bad. Do yeah. we need that, something like that? Probably. Yeah. Um, but this one was just, oh, you know, it was so over-the-top Disney- it was I couldn't watch it was painful to watch it was absolutely painful for me to watch it at points because it was so Disneyfied um there was it was oh god and you know the actors the kid actors were passable but not great um and so even some of their scenes it's like oh boy meets girl whatever um so yeah it's well, I'm trying to I'm come up with something redeeming on it, other than it, <laughs> it you know, highlighted Space Camp once again, which I'm never going to think is a bad idea. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'd be in uncharacteristically generous mood, because like I say, I was ready to rip it apart, because it is kind of bad. I mean, even have the trope of the... Uh, uh, unaware parents that you know he can uh, pull this off okay speaking of trope, can we go on the trope machine um <laughs> you may wear it out yeah okay. the, the the separated parents who you know because the kid runs away and goes off to space camp with nobody's permission yeah. get back together again and are all happy about it instead well, of screaming at each other they never really like said that they were getting back together but when, when, as oh, soon as that started to happen i'm like oh i know where this no is they going. went out for dinner afterwards that's a, you know that's the first step to getting back together which you know yeah. disneyified we're going to not say you you know, okay, you guys, you know, go your separate ways at the end. I mean, just like, ah. And then, um, God, so many of those things. The whole golden ticket thing. Oh, God, really? What was yeah. with the robots coming and delivering the gold tickets? Well, and then while I'm watching this, I'm also thinking of uh, the Karate Kid because you have the uber-aggressive you know, uh, uh, team that's going to win at any oh. cost. you got the guy in there that's going to smack anybody around who gets in his way because he deserves to win. I mean, I, that one was just like they just you know ripped it right out of uh, Karate Kid, dumped it in there, and, and, and changed it slightly. trying desperately not to call it racist as, to, as well because, oh, my God, you had to pull in Asian, Russian, Southern um, – uh, yeah, yeah. So- Southern Gearhead. Yeah, uh, that part was totally Willy Wonka. It's these kids from all over the world, right. you know, who get. And I don't know about you guys, but like, <laughs> I want to be. I want to see the two man team of a guy in a NASA, uh, you know, jumpsuit and a giant 
you know, uh, mascot in a giant spacesuit who stands beside behind him that nobody comments on. Right. Yes, I know. Show up in the middle of the, and no, everybody's like, oh, this is totally normal. Here's a guy in a NASA jumpsuit, and then there's a you know, like a ten foot tall, you know, spacesuited astronaut. That everybody just thinks is totally normal. And when we say spacesuited astronaut, think like inflatable lawn ornament for Christmas, not yeah. like an actual yeah, yeah, yeah. astronaut spacesuit. I mean, like. Yeah, when I first saw it, I thought that's what it was. Yeah, but it did move around, so yep. it was, I guess it was supposed to be a suit. It actually became a character at some at one point, too, in, when they were doing the buggy race. Um, yeah, no, it's so bad. So, so bad. So uh, and then, then there was things. There was only like they only said to uh, an IMDb. Uh, and they, it had to be the movie people editing IMDb here. Um, they only listed two goofs. Um, one of them was that uh, you couldn't uh, at the beginning of the movie where the kid brings out this big solid rocket um, for his rocket competition. You'd never be allowed to shoot that thing off because it violates so many you know FFA or FAA rules or whatever. Um, you know, there's there's things like that that are, that are just you know blatant and uh, like I said, they only listed two goofs here, and I know we can't find them right off hand. But and I was looking in here, and I can't even find what this movie grossed or made. I can't find any details no. in here. It's like it was sanitized, you know, like bleached, and let's just put the pretty stuff in here. And uh, okay, okay. did speaking. you guys notice the uh, the director? Mm-mm. If you look at if you look at uh, the IMDb page and click on the director, his name's Sean McNamara, mm-hmm. and he's a big husky guy. He's got very white hair and he's got a very very round face. And as soon as I saw his picture, I remember he featured prominently right towards the end. He was some NASA guy, and it was just the way it was framed. I'm like, it was just very distinctive the way he was in standing there. Like he was obviously just like a you know, like a cameo. Yeah, yeah, like a, a yeah cameo, like like, he, like a Stan was, Lee appearance. Yeah, he was more than an extra. He was obviously something, someone significant who was you know being blocked prominently in the shot. But then you know, and he was gone in you know like maybe ten seconds or something like that. But hmm. interesting. And also because of his because his hair was so white, he really stood out in the uh, in the scene. I have to go back and look for that. Yeah. No. <laughs> you don't need to. Yeah, well, and this is not a movie I would necessarily be proud of that I was involved in in any way, shape, or form, other than maybe special effects. Um, the, the, they did you – know, some of the, the – like, it's, it is hard to film weightlessness. It's, it's incredibly hard to, to you know – portray weightlessness on film Gra- that's why gravity still to this day just blows my mind because i swear that was filmed in space but this one you know tries to do their best and they they pull it off but it's kind of hokey um but some of the other special effects were were pretty impressive they had some um they're not, i suppose hologram displays that were were pretty good and um, right and Although some I, of well, uh, the hologram at the end there, where did you really need to have a hologram to work on the space station? I mean, yeah. 
couldn't you just i mean just i suppose they did it for the sake of the movie but really to me it just seemed kind of stupid that you had to have this hologram there so you could uh be maneuver around there and work on it you would just think you know you're looking through a camera yeah that way it was superfluous right there was a lot of that whole save the astronauts bit that was just so much crap um you know you talked about the the f um AA and the rockets. The other one is is somehow ham radio saved the day. Okay, yay! Shout out to ham radio. Awesome. But I'm <laughs> sorry, people are pinging the ISS all the time. This is not a secret. Um, that's that's a huge thing. I mean, I've listened to the ISS. Um, never never been able to break through and actually talk to them. But that's just it. You have to break through because there's like a thousand people a minute trying to hit the ISS. They don't go quiet on ham radio. Um, so it's um, it, it's uh, the idea that th- this kid with his archaic hobby is going to remember that this happens and nobody else at NASA is aware of that. Oh, and that was kind of the, the premise of the entire ending of the show. I mean, the entire episode or the entire movie. You know, these kids are going to be able to do stuff that nobody at NASA has figured out. What? I know. Like. <sighs> I would and then maybe. after they have the idea, they don't have better people that they could turn right. the execution of it over to. And knowing some of the people involved with the Orion Project, I'm offended for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could maybe buy if they would have just if they would have just left it at, hey, we thought of something, you know. I could maybe buy that in yeah. you know, moments of stress, they may have overlooked something, but to be the only ones to come up with this whole scheme and to execute it is like yeah, I get it. It's a kids' movie. You're playing to the kids, but you know this is where reality went off the rails, down in the gutter, and <sighs> just is circling the drain. That's where I just was like, I can't even hardly watch this anymore. This is so bad. But and yeah. the, and, the, and at one point in the movie too, they talked about you know the, something about the kids are going to remember this forever. If they if these astronauts die, it's gonna it's gonna stick with them forever. And so that's the decision to let them try to save them or something. I was like, okay, if this was really happening, yeah, exactly what you said, if they had come up with an idea that nobody else had thought about, they would tell some of the astronauts or the NASA people, and they would take that idea, turn it over to the professionals, and, and they would shield those kids from the consequences and the execution of that as far as they could. Because you do not know the outcome, good or bad. Plus, I don't care if the kids do save the, uh, the astronauts. The outcome of that is nearly as bad as if the astronauts died. Because if you now have kids saving astronauts, the public media attention will kill them. <laughs> well, not to say it might not do a lot for NASA either. It takes kids yeah. to save them. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Well, and again, All this the, is geez, another. Can, can you imagine the budget hill, the the budget fights on Congressional Hill, um, with on Capitol Hill, where you have to say, you know, we're paying these these scientists whatever, um, all this money, and then kids come and say, oh God, NASA would be done. It would be done. This this movie yeah. could kill NASA. Yeah, and it's another one of Disney's tropes that you know kids are smarter than the adults. You know, um, yeah, it's just like they ripped out. Uh, I think they had a blender, so they put like Disney movies in there. They put Gravity. They put The Karate Kid, uh, Willy Wonka. Uh, is there any other movies that this 
this thing brings to mind. Like I said, they put it all in the blender, hit puree, and out came this glop. And hey, let's put this on film. Uh, no, it's uh, yeah. all, all three of us are parents. Yes, <laughs> I wanted to make a comment on what is okay parenting and what is horrible parenting. <laughs> Questionable at best. The yes. thing is, okay, if if your aunt had died on one of the shuttle accidents, you know that is, you know, your your family tragedy. No parent is perfect, and you bring your own, you know, baggage to being a parent. But if you tell your kid, I don't don't want you to do this thing because uh, you know I'm putting my foot down because your your aunt died on the space shuttle. And then the kid goes behind your back and does this space camp thing. And now you're going to, you know, give them shit because of that. Because they have done something that they're obviously really wanted to do, that they're obviously good at, and that you were preventing them from solely because of your own baggage. And then you still ground them. You know yeah. what? You are a bad yeah, no kidding. Well, <laughs> okay. I, I I could argue that the grounding is for the lying. But I also would say that if they hadn't lied, they wouldn't have been allowed to do it. So, you know, yeah, yeah right. I, you know, until no, you like, said it like that, my that, that describes my family, actually. My mother is deathly afraid of water. I, however, used to swim on the, you know, college swim team and, you know, like miles at a time. I nearly killed yeah. my mother one time when she showed up for high school practice and I swam underwater like, I don't know, five laps. Um, she thought I was dead down there. I'm like, if you're dead, you're not moving. But, um, you know, so, you know, yeah, that whole, I mean, good parents – and and you know if you have a morbid fear that's usually where you send your kids to you know get like i'm afraid of heights my kid i got a kid in charge of a high ropes course this summer you know oh, he Lord. he yeah i know um <laughs> i look at that stuff and it's like you you go have a good time um so yeah. you know but yeah you don't stop kids to, from doing things well, because of your fears maybe well, that's a message the- to the helicopter parent generation well, yeah. Mm. Well, and first of all, the logic—you know, uh, your aunt died in the space sh- shuttle, so you're not getting on the space shuttle. Uh, okay, your aunt died in a car. You're never getting in a car. You're again. right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. There, like I say, if you start attag- attacking this logically, people, people as have a died parent, in hospitals. We're never going to a hospital again. You know, people have died walking across the street. I'm not going to get out of bed. No, people have died laying in bed. I'm not. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that I mean that all falls apart, and and you know like I say I was maybe I was just in a generous mood that day. Maybe I I don't think I'd taken any drugs, so I don't think I can blame it on that. Um, but you know uh, I guess I don't know. Maybe I looked at the 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 little love story there. Maybe that threw me off because uh, I'm around teenagers all day at school, and you see this stuff once in a while, and you kind of go, ah, you know, even it, you know, even a curmudgeon <laughs> like me, it melts my heart a little bit. So I kind of looked at the, the the little love story there with you know watered down love story, but I'm kind of going, ah, you know, maybe that influenced me a little bit. Maybe that's why I'm a little bit, you know, I'm not completely ripping this movie apart, but uh, yeah, obviously there are major flaws here, um, but maybe that's why I'm not quite as you know, sharp on it as you guys are, but yeah, it still is not a great movie. Yeah, it's the 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 tech that's in the movie. The upside of it is it's there's no science fiction tech. This is all real stuff. 
Um, yeah. You know, there's yep. there's nothing futuristic in here at all. Aside from maybe, well, I was going to say the um, the motion control fixing EVA, you know, robotic fixing of this ISS. That whole right. how we save the and, astronauts. And even that's not science fiction. It's just more exaggerated, I'm y- sure. Yeah, that's a like, good word There's for lots it. of remote-operated things. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'm only doing the the, uh, the the gas that they took to slow their bodies down or something like that. I've never heard of anything like that, but that's not to say that they they wouldn't do something similar to that, like thin the oxygen out intentionally so that they would all go to sleep. Right. Uh, well, yeah, and uh, the but, cold to slow them down too. Metabolism. Yeah, and it might not be something you inhale. It could be something you inject or swallow too. I mean, right. There are things that will. Put you up. Well, unlike the parents in this movie, I'm willing to admit my ignorance. Um, so I don't know, you know, a lot about you know NASA. So is it safe to assume that the stuff that they showed at NASA is reasonably accurate? Hopefully, but well, they must have cooperated with NASA. So yes, matter of fact, the dunk tank where they were sliding backwards into the water. I think I've seen that again. I have a friend who's working on the Orion project and he's tweeted out pictures of uh, that tank or that that pool in the past. So yeah, that that I'm pretty sure was was uh, actual on site. Uh, yeah, although one of the other goofs that they listed in here was that the uh, the multi-axis trainer that they were using there in the movie they said something about uh, uh, it's to st- stimulate a uh, or simulate an astronaut's re-entry into orbit. Uh, it said, "No, if a spaceship was tumbling that bad, uh, then it would be out of control and burn up." Is actually, uh, I guess, in response to the Gemini Eight mission in 1966, where it was tumbling in space, uh, and so they needed something to train, uh, get people used to, you know, three-axis motion like that. I was going to say, I don't care whether it's happened or not. That's a good experience slash skill to have. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're going to be able to orient yourself in space. Right, yeah, yeah to deal with three-axis motion. You know, yeah, whether we actually have incidents of it or whether we can imagine when and where it might be happen or be useful, I don't really right. care. Um, <laughs> that's a skill that is a potential thing that could happen that you want to be prepared for whether right. it's actually that, happened or not and that actually kind of brought to mind uh a much better movie than this ender's game where you know they one of the things that they were dealing with was how do you get how do you uh, do up in space or how do you orient right. yourself and so that was something that they talked about and here you have you know machine to you know at least maybe you can't well it'll put you in there so you have to figure out how to uh, orient yourself. One of the worst scenes for cheesy, crappy, quote-unquote special effects was the centrifuge. Um, those kids going around trying to scream. That was horribly <laughs> bad. But I don't know if this is true or not. They made the statement that in the uh, multi-axis gyro thing um, that you don't throw up because your inner ear fluids never settle. But in the centrifuge, you do because they're slammed up against, you know, the side of your head or the back of your head or whatever. Mm. Um, and that's the one that makes you puke. I'm like, huh, interesting. Yeah, not like we can, uh, you know, debunk that theory right now, but... Yeah, uh, and I'm, I'm going to guess that's not a theory. I'm guessing that's real, because that's a bit of trivia that you just don't throw around without having facts behind it. 
yeah, I'd agree with you. It's it, it certainly sounded had a ring of truth to it and sounded like something that wasn't really coming out of a movie script was more coming out of a manual. <laughs> yeah, and and I think what triggers um, the you know vertigo, I suppose, is um, when you're when you're used to having orientation in one direction, but it's it's showing up in another, and in a centrifuge. Rather than your fluid settling to the bottom, they're getting pushed to the back of your head. Um, whereas in the in the gyro, like I said, they're just floating all over the place. So yeah, it, it it does kind of make sense. And and again, the way it was thrown around as a as a bit of scientific trivia, I'm guessing that's that's a fact. Well, now I'm just trying to figure out. Okay, this movie's got me contemplating about vomiting in the centrifuge. Um, would you be able to, or would it just be thrown back in your throat? Would it come out? How would that work? I mean, well, you're it depends on how you're sitting. Forward. If you're, well, yeah, if you're, you know, sitting with your back to the outside, everything's sure. going to go to the back of your skull. Right. If, if you're sitting sideways, and I don't think they do, um, then everything's going to go. T- I mean, honestly, I, I do think they sit backwards just because of the stresses on the body. Um, okay. And because if you sit sideways, you're going to get thrown to one side. If you sit facing inwards, well, that's what you do. You would sit facing inwards. If you get if you sat facing outwards, you're going to be pulled against your restraints, um, and and you know, dislocate your shoulders, break your collarbones, have bruising, all those things. So again, I think if you jump into a centrifuge, you're going to have people sitting with their backs to the outside because it's for the most support. Okay, see, I wasn't paying much attention because I figured that you were facing into the spin. You're talking about either facing the center or facing outward. I guess I'm talking about facing either into the spin or sitting with your back for uh, with rotate in uh, in uh, you know as far as rotation goes. Either you're because uh, I was thinking you were facing into the rotation, but. Like, yeah, given given the, all of the the sure. videos we've ever seen, people's faces and bodies are being slammed into their seats, right? Right. That means the forces yeah. are going out. That means you are facing in. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're facing the axis. Yep, you're facing the center of the spin, the hub. Okay, because, yeah. see, I thought maybe you were, well, of course, that'd probably cause problems with the body, too. I thought you were maybe facing your perpendicular to the axis. But yeah, I don't have, think Have you, you guys are. ever done that, uh, the, I don't know, the fair amusement ride? Yes, where you slammed where up like against... it's like a great big circle. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you put your back against it, yeah, and you're yep. pushed, pushed out. Yep. Yep, and then, they t- and then they tip you, you know, so yeah, that you should be air. falling, but you don't because of, you know, science! Yeah, <laughs> and I've watched people do that, but no. Um, no, so yeah, like I said, at that point, it was kind of like, I'm watching the movie, but I'm not completely watching the movie because my brain kind of needs to step back for a little bit. Because yeah, there's a few things in here that drove me nuts. Even though, like I said, I'm not as harsh on it as you guys. It it did great at my nerves on certain things. So, like, what what did you find particularly grating? Yeah. Well, outside of the stupid parents, um, and. Um, you know, the kids save the day trope and, you know, like a lot of the stuff that you guys said, I guess maybe the thing that, you know, kept me from completely hating the movie was, you know, like I say, the two kids and they're going to be together and, you know, all this. The, the I guess the relationship part of the movie is what 
and I realize it's a kid movie, so it's not going to be like a deep relationship. But still, there's that awe, you know, young love, that kind of stuff. But, you know, like most – a lot of the other stuff about the movie, yeah, the uh, – the like I say, the kids save the day. They're the only ones that can think of this. Adults are stupid. Parents are stupid. Um you know, they're these kids are going to outsmart the whole world. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that just grated at me. But yeah, yeah, it was. There were some interesting bits in there, as far as like I said, I did appreciate the little go kart race. Um, they um, spoiler alert because gosh, I'm not going to ask anybody to watch this one. <laughs> um is that, you know, one of the things that they do in boot camp is, or in space camp is to um, train up and, and participate in a go-kart race, which it looked like they had different designs. They were, they were two-person go-karts, think recumbent bike. Um, and some, both um, riders were facing forwards and others, one rider was forward, <clears throat> one rider was backwards. So there, there seemed to be a bit of design build elements to it as well. Um, and one of the, you know, Warriors team members gets disqualified halfway through, so they're trying to deal with, you know, not having two people on the this go-kart, and they wind up putting that stupid astronaut mascot thing that had come to the doors all the time um, as the second rider, and then essentially remote-controlling it, joysticks. Um, that You know, the whole concept of a go-kart race and the whole idea of trying to, you know, joystick that instead of, you know, pedal power, um, that was kind of interesting. But, oh, my God, did you see the joy they were doing the joysticks? It, it looks like yes. it looks like what you do at, at Best Buy as you walk by. You grab the joystick and you're just like, okay, that was fun. That was a cool joystick. Let's move on. I mean, that's what they were portraying for how – no, have you ever tried to operate a joystick? It's precision, careful, slow movements, not just slam it every direction. Good right. Christ. It was well, crazy. And as long as we're there, the other thing is, too, that they just happen to have a couple solid rocket boosters to oh, – yeah, solid rockets to show. Yeah, because they carry them around in their back pocket, these six-foot-long uh, well, the, rockets. Yeah, the big one. I, you mean, I, the, the Chinese kid was supposed to be the rocket freak, and so I could imagine him rocking around with a couple of, like, 12-inch rockets in a backpack. But, yeah, the big well, ones that they pulled out would be something else. Well, I'm pretty sure NASA would have a problem with people just willy-nilly walking around with rockets in their backpacks. Oh. I would think – I would hope – well, of course, given the level of this movie, no. But, I mean, I hope in real life NASA kind of go, hey, mind if I kind of look in there and make sure you don't have anything that could possibly blow up or anything like that? Well, I don't know because rockets are pretty benign until you, you know, light them. So um, – <laughs> Well, there's the problem. Yeah, knives are kind of benign until you jab them into somebody right. too. But. but yeah, they they um, I mean, they're they're sitting down at you know, hobby stores, and you don't need it like a license to to do rockets or whatever. I mean, you want to you want to get in trouble with the law? Rocketry is probably not the way to do it. You know, so um, yeah, I don't know. But it's just one more of those things. It's like yeah, you know, they're just going to play into the stereotypes or personas that they've created for these various characters and, and let it go. Well, now you got you kind of got me to thinking on that one, too. So, you know, you can walk in and buy a, a rocket. And I guess nobody's brought down anything significant with a rocket, so maybe they don't care. But now, like, certain laser pointers are illegal if you shine them at 
pilots because you could, you know, over at a passing plane because you could potentially blind them. There was some, you know, uh, brouhaha about that a few years ago. And, and now the big thing. Drones. Drones. Yeah. Drones, yeah. Uh, because now, you know, you can fly in the airspace to cause problems. So I guess it's the level. They're all three sort of similar. Well, maybe not the lasers, but the drones and the rockets. I mean, they go into space, but. You know, I guess if rockets started causing problems, they would well, regulate. The ones that you can buy can't sure. go high enough to cause problems. No. That's that's this why you true. can buy them. You know, so right. And same way with some of these drones too. The smaller ones, yeah. it's not a problem. It's when you get a bigger one. So I guess maybe it's scale. Yeah. Uh, that we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I wasn't clear on. You know, this whole movie is based on this premise that these guys won a ticket to space camp uh okay um first off you usually pay your way into space camp and it's not cheap um and maybe they have a a contest where you can win and I, i don't doubt that they do um i'm i can almost guarantee that they do uh scholarships of some sort um but this again, it just played into the Willy Wonka thing too much. I mean, well, winning a scholarship to space camp is far different than you know getting a golden ticket out of the blue. Which you know, again, they kind of maybe it's just me, and maybe it's just the whole Willy Wonka well version of it. But because they did have to apply, and he wrote his essay, and you know, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to say something about that because you look at all the members on the team; they all had a special skill. Except for the main character, and they even address it in the movie. You got in here by writing an essay. You know, they never really said what's your qualification for being here. Okay, um, Contact, Contact. Hello, do you remember the movie Contact? Oh yeah. Right. Jodie Foster says they shouldn't have sent a scientist. They should have sent a poet. That was his role. As far as I'm concerned, that explains his presence just fine. Uh, okay. I I don't see too many poets on the space shuttle but you know or in the space station commander hadfield are you kidding oh okay well okay all right (laughs) but i don't think he was picked because he was a poet i think he was picked because he was an astronaut yeah you have to have multiple skills to make any mission (laughs) yeah well like i said his soul skill seemed that this character's uh, seemed to be, you know, he wrote an essay, you know, it didn't, you know, I'm not saying he was a dumb kid, but I just didn't see that, you know, we need this guy on the team. Uh, why? Uh, yeah. I don't know that the contest tested it, but I could make an argument that obviously his role was to be the leader. And, uh, and also he had a level of knowledge of NASA and it's stuff that none of the others did. So, was he a valuable team member? Absolutely. What was his role? Leader. Um, how did they know that when they, um, you know, when he won the contest? I have no idea. It's a movie. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, and then as long as, you know, another another trope, I mean, uh, he redeems his dad because his dad was it got drummed out of NASA because or he quit. Quit or was fired. I forget which one it was because he objected to the uh Solid rocket, they're launching the, um, was it the heat shield? No, it was the heat shields, I think it was. So that would have been the, what was the other one yeah. that exploded? Um, anyway, it was the heat shield. So he tried to warn them. They didn't the listen. Um, the O-rings were the other one. Yeah, but the other one. But yeah, but I think they were, I heard him talk about heat shields. So, um, and heat shield, I think, was the um, endeavor. 
No, 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 they were both C's, the Columbia and the Challenger. Columbia, Challenger. Challenger was the O-rings. Uh, Columbia was the heat shield. Uh, so I think it was Columbia because he said that, you know, he tried to uh, point out that there was problems with the heat shield and they, they blew him off because they really didn't want to listen. And so I don't know if he quit or was basically drummed out because he kept insisting on it. And so the kid goes, uh, you know, basically redeems his dad and, uh, you know, brings him back into the fold. And I don't know if he's going to stick with NASA or if he's going to go back to what he was doing, but, you know, yeah. basically redeems his dad. So, well, and also the, the guy that was, was, uh, preaching caution and then was proven to be right, he doesn't get kicked out. <laughs> like, that guy who, like, uh, the Mor- was it uh, Morgan Thicol, the guys with the, uh, uh, the, uh, the O-rings, who were saying that, you know, we sh- you shouldn't go, it's too cold, you shouldn't go. And then after the fact, when they did the, the whole shakedown, those guys were held up as these are the people we should have listened to and what do they think now? Like, yeah, you know, like th- those guys were not vilified after the fact. Those guys uh, were exonerated essentially because they were the ones saying that we, we can't do this. This is bad. All of these tests that we've shown that you can't uh, uh, attempt to take off when it's this cold. Yeah, like they didn't get kicked out. Like, yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's. That's. This whole movie's just <laughs> well, yeah. I guess Whatever. it's kind of the whistleblower trope that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you know the whistleblower will get drummed out because he you know caused problems or whatever, even though he may have been right. So, yeah, like I say, this movie's. I think this is even more tropetastic than the one that we had last, or at least the tropes are more egregious. Like I said, we've talked about tropes. We, we say it's you know shorthand, but this one here, it wasn't shorthand so much as a bludgeoning. No, in this movie bothers me because it's so bad the tropes are so bad that it's almost yes. a farce and a parody and a comedy of this i mean it's just it's belittling almost right well there's tropes of shorthand but then there's just offensive yeah tropes, and i think this was the offensive trope yeah i think this you know yeah there's there's a yeah there's a line there and to me this one really or Disney maybe stereotypical. Do, yeah, and I, I was about to say, there's a difference between comedy and, and teasing and then crossing the line into bullying and, you know, um, I don't, you know, whatever. But this one feels like it, to me, it felt like it was either way too close to the line or over. Um, so, yeah, I just, I'm not a fan of this movie. Do I think we need this type of movie? Yes. Welcome to the difference between trying to appeal to kids in whenever the original Space Camp was done, 1980s or something, 1990s, um, and versus the 20 teens. Um, you can't do this crap with kids today. We were just having a conversation the other day with <laughs> explicit tag here listening to the radio the other day and ACDC's Big Balls song came out on, on the radio mid-afternoon on Saturday and it's like I remember when this was banned from radio you listen to it in the you know the dark with like nobody over the age of 20 around because you know it was it, yeah and so what we consider to be I mean the baseline for 
G-rated, PG, you know, environment. I mean, things have changed so much in those 30, 20 years that Disney-ified movies for this and this movie, it, 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 this is, I mean, the way this movie was written, it's geared for like five-year-olds. Well, five-year-olds, this is not their movie. You want it, Your target audience needs to be the tweeners, like the eight to 12-year-olds. And it's not good enough. Eight to 12-year-olds want to see Rogue Warrior or Rogue One. Um, and so th- th- it's just, it so misses everything. I mean, it just, it has, it's, it's missed its message. It's missed its audience. It's missed the appeal. It's missed even what it's trying to achieve as far as, you know, missions to the future. I mean, all we're doing is saving the International Space Station. We're trying to recruit for the Mars generation. You know, let's talk about something to do with that project. So, anyway, it, it's, just, it's just, it fell so flat, so fast, so hard. Well, then I just, I you know, setting the science part aside here, you know, I don't, obviously I don't watch much for kids' movies anymore. Is this sort of typical for kids' movies now? I mean, you know, as far as, you know, I know I know for a while they've had the dumb trope parent and all these other, or, you know, dumb parent trope. They've had all this other stuff. Is this more or less typical for what passes for kids' movies now, or is this a no. extreme example? Because think of, like, some of the other Disney films that come out. Well, starters, you know, Rogue One was a Disney film. Um, and, like, even Frozen, which is back to the classic Disney animation. Disney's Frozen has some really good messages in it. I don't know what the messages are from Space Warriors other than, you know, space is supposed to be cool, except we portrayed it as so not cool. Yeah. Well then, well then I got to thinking too. Though I mean, as far like I say, just comparing this to kids' movies, I got to thinking about movies like uh, the first one that popped to mind was *The Parent Trap*, um, which is from fifty years ago. Well, there was a remake in '98 oh. with, uh, but I mean, still uh, with Lindsay Lohan, yeah. But I mean, still, it's that kind of uh, you know, parents are dumb type movie like I, said, I mean as far as you know like I said, i'm just trying to compare this to other kids movie. like they just set the science aside is this you know what passes for kids movies uh or yeah you know, like i said you you know, you're throwing out frozen and a bunch of those but i still think there's some like there's a genre of dumb parent movies out there let's go with that one that's, uh, yeah that's a trope dumb parent tro- yeah. trope in the movies that play to that yeah i'll, I'll admit that one yeah, so like I say, you know, I'm just trying to compare it to other movies, and so yeah, maybe it just falls into that particular trope. But you know, um, yeah, and I don't, I can't remember the role of the parents in E.T., but E.T. was 30 years ago, and and space science fiction ish, and you know, right, and tro- well, and and Disneyified massively, but even that was not nearly as bad as this one, and that well, one it, was not, you know, it was Disney. A, it, as I remember, the mother in there, uh, I don't always remember things real well, but the mother in there, I mean, she wasn't as dumb as these. She was, uh, they portrayed her as what, a, a working mother that's trying distracted. to distracted. Like, distracted, yeah, basically. So that, you know, I could be on board with, but where you're completely clueless and, you know, don't bother to call in the, or she did try to call in, but yeah, dad's busy right now. I'll get back to you. <clears throat> At some point, don't you start to go, Huh? She did. Uh, or you? Well, it's yeah, but still, 
eventually she figured it out. But it just seems to me like are these people so self-absorbed that you know they don't, or do they hate each other so much that they can't talk to each other? You know, to find it's just that. I'll, I'll give her. I'll give. Well, I guess it's her in this case credit for that because she did. Um, you know, she did call. And he was lying, and as a mother, my lying red flags went up big time. <laughs> but, um, you know, you you just, you don't know what's going on, and you just let it go because you want them to have a good time and let them do their things, and especially with, like, dad, so you don't want to interfere with that. So, it, you know, the fact that it took a couple of days to figure out, I don't necessarily think that's, I'm not going to put that on her. Because, okay. you know, she was doing the thing. She was calling, you know. Um, the thing that would have been, you know, if he wanted to say negligent in any manner was the fact that he was acting weird. But the fact that he was acting weird, you're not, I mean, that's not enough to, what would you do? My kid's acting weird, you know, so then what? So, it, you know, the fact that it took a couple of days of not being able to find dad, that you start to get suspicious. Yeah, given the situation, I don't know that that's unrealistic. Okay. But I'm, you know, on, on the upside, she did figure it out, and the first thing she did was call dad. You know, and that's when you know the shit hit the fan. So, um, you know, she. I think she she did a the, the balancing act of leave them alone, let them do their thing, versus wait a minute, what's going on. But yeah, the, that whole, that balance, you know, the whole trying to, as we talked about, not let them go in the first place. And then, you know, the, the whole before the, he goes to space camp parents and then after space camp parents, that's, 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 that's painful to watch, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of Hollywood's view of yeah. family and parenting, which yeah. Well, no, not Hollywood's view. Disney's view, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll put this all on Disney. Yeah, and uh, and old school Disney because new school Disney does allow for some variation there. But this is this is yeah. And what's interesting too is that as all movies do, there are like nobody else involved besides nuclear family there's no friends there's no brothers and sisters there's no grandma and grandpas there's no i mean like every time i've sent a kid off to camp you know grandma sends this and brother sends that and friends are you know doing their things and you know whatever so um it would probably have been a friend who'd figured out something was up before parents and none of these kids have friends which you know that's entirely possible we're talking a bunch of nerds here well, yeah, but then again, is that another trope? Yep. I mean, um, because yeah, and, you know, I myself admitted nerd, and sometimes I'm not exact. I'm not antisocial. I'm selectively social, um, and but you know, <clears throat> I do have people that if I didn't show up for a few days or something, there would be a few people that go, you know, especially at the school if I wasn't cleaning. But you know, there'd be a few people that kind of go, huh, I wonder where he went. Maybe we should be concerned. Uh, you know, even nerds have, you know. That they can't be completely loner, uh, right. a complete loner. Otherwise, you have a psychopath on your hand. I hope somebody would deal with that. Yeah. But uh, there should be a few people that kind of know. Hey, where's Jimmy at? Or you know, whatever. Yeah. Ask some questions. So I think it's just a convenience of the movie. I mean, wh- why would you sure. introduce friends? I mean, it just muddies the right. water. I I get that. That's 
because of of the movie. But there's so much Mu- of because of the movie in this that you mean muddy's uh, muddy the water on such an excellent movie as this. Oh, I know. <laughs> it would have totally ruined it, wouldn't have it? Oh God, our sarcasm uh, engines kicked in overtime there. Yeah. But... Anyway. Anything else? I mean, we we like to focus on tech, but other than the fact that they have spaceships and simulators and three-axis gyros and and uh, go-karts and some um, motion control, what do you call that when they put those dots on you and motion recording? Motion capture. Motion capture, yeah. that's it. Yeah, right. Um, you know, motion capture robots, um, all of which we said exist and are... I don't want to quite say yawn because they're still pretty amazing, um, but there's nothing that really pushes the boundaries of imagination or you know possibility in the tech in this at all. So, yeah, there's not the only thing that this movie pushes as far as imagination is believability. <laughs> so I think that's just going to wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. Uh, you can check us out at SciFiTechTalk.com. And pop into the forums there and take part in the conversation or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have ideas or comments, please send them to greetings at Sci-Fi Tech Talk dot com. And reviews on iTunes are always welcome. Jeff, where can people come find you? People can follow me on Twitter at Bronco Sire. That's S-Y-E-R. And Mike, where can people find you? Yeah, I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman. I have my about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. And I can be found on Twitter at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. And links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I've got going on can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. Next episode, we're going to be covering the 1976 movie The Man Who Fell to Earth. Uh, Thomas Jerome Newton is a humanoid alien who comes to Earth to get water for his dying planet. He starts a high-technology company to get the billions of dollars he needs to build a return spacecraft and meets Mary Lou, a girl who falls in love with him. He does not count on the greed and ruthlessness of business here on Earth, however. But that's going to be it for this show, and we'll see you in the future. Where do you want to go? It's the sci-fi tech talk.